Legacy. The word can be cliche to the point where its meaning, the, the significant meaning of the word legacy can, can be lost. But that doesn't make it any less a word or less important a word for us to, to think about. Especially on a day like Father's Day or at any time, anyone at any time, because it has to do with the influence of our lives. And as I use that word influence, I, I think of um, a businessman in Vancouver who I, I don't know personally, but one degree of separation. Uh, my brother-in-law serves on a PAOC committee with him in our international office, and he made an astute comment that if we shift away from our focus on loving people to influencing people, not that we shouldn't use that word influence, but if if we shift from loving to a focus on influencing, we're, we're on dangerous territory. The only influence that is Christ-honoring and life-giving to somebody is loving. And that's why Jesus said in the great commandment, in response to the question, what is the great commandment? Loving God and people. I suppose that's the simple message. As we ponder this word, legacy. Good question to ask ourselves regularly is, what will be remembered about how I lived after I'm gone? When's the last time you thought about that? How does that thought, not to be morbid, but how, how does that thought, how does that question shape the choices and the decisions and the actions that you engage in daily and I engage in daily? Will it be just that, well, Marlo loved to water ski and play hockey and injured a lot of limbs doing it, <laughs> which would be true. <laughs> but boy, I, I, I hope that's not all. What will stand out about how we lived our lives, dads? What memories do we create for others that will inspire them to know God and love God and love people? Good questions to ask. I often find that it's when I attend the funeral of a vibrant Christ follower that legacy, this, this idea and all that it entails, uh, resurfaces in my thinking as the character uh, of, the, of the deceased person is, is talked about, how they displayed. It's just in a, a funeral recently where that was the case. And, and, and a month ago, Pastor Ken Ness in Sylvan Lake, who some of you uh, know and have crossed paths with, the, the, these type of individuals, and you sit in their, in their celebration of life services, and, and you hear how, how, yes, there were flaws and failures. Who of us don't have those? But in those moments of reflection, the things that stand out in these vibrant Christ followers' lives that they lived well, how they displayed a genuine and loving, contagious faith, how they loved the Bible and, and believed it to be the Word of God and sought to align their lives with it, how they uh, cherished their spouse, as we talked about last Sunday, how they walked with, uh, with Jesus, uh, with integrity so consistently, and on and on, inspiring we must be honest and say that this, this thing of leaving a legacy can seem daunting at times. Maybe even discouraging, disheartening. I think often because that, that can be the case, often because we, 
compare ourselves with others, which we, which we shouldn't. God's gifted us and given us each different opportunities and so on. But, but I think it, a big part of that comes down to the fact that we somehow, most of us, find it much easier to identify our shortcomings or to give up because we feel we failed too many times. And one thing I want to remind you of right at the beginning of this message is legacy is not about an absence of failure. But it is about getting up again and again and, and again to the plate. Getting up to the plate again when we fail. Steve May uh, writes about looking at Baseball, professional baseball statistics, and finding a certain lifetime achievement list. Names of great professional ball players that were on that list uh, were Reggie Jackson, Sammy Sosa, Alex Rodriguez, Andre Galarraga, and, and, and going way back, even Babe Ruth, this particular list. Men who were considered great hitters in the game, but they had something else in common for which they were on this particular achievement list, as it was called. They were among the players who also had the most strikeouts. Reggie Jackson tops the list with 2,597 strikeouts. He had 13 less career hits than he had strikeouts at 2,584. And yet, his legacy that he left to the game was that of a great hitter. They were on that list because of their many strikeouts, and yet again, that's not the legacy they left the game. They, 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 they each left a legacy. These men that I mentioned, uh, they left a legacy of greatness because, because they were willing to continue stepping up to the plate. E even when their, uh, their strikeouts piled up to become <laughs> extended slumps, even when the, the frustrated fans would hurl uh, sarcastic comments their way, they kept stepping up to the plate. They didn't let a previous strikeout paralyze them or inhibit what the future could be. Proverbs 24, 16, wise Solomon writes, the godly may trip seven times, and that's a number of a metaphor, I suppose, for many times. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again, he says. Dad, you may be on a streak of strikeouts, and if so, then today is an opportunity to get back up to the plate. Every day is another opportunity to get back up to the plate. And I know that many of you dads strive to honor Christ through your life and, and you inspire others along the way. More, I believe this, more than you probably even realize. I see evidence actually of this regularly in our church family and so way to go, dads. So many of you are focused on honoring Christ and thus maybe you're not thinking specifically daily of legacy but your, your heart is to honor Christ and you're you thus are, 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 are cultivating, growing a legacy. And legacy is built one small step at a time. 
One small step at a time. Legacy is built one small conversation at a time. One small act of kindness at a time. One small uh, generous donation. Small, generous? I don't know how that goes together, but you can figure it out. Uh, at a time. One, one small gesture at a time of noticing someone in pain. One simple word of encouragement at a time. One good night hug at a time. Legacy is built one small step at a time. I want to highlight this morning three ways that I believe would, will contribute. And many of you are doing these things, but contribute significantly to, to us growing a Christ-honoring legacy as dads. And if you're not a, if you're not a Christ follower, first, first of all, way to go for being here. It's so good to have you uh, in this gathering this morning. And, and I believe there, there will be some things that you can take away from this talk today, and, and probably some things already. That, uh, that, are, that are takeaways for you in, in, uh, in this gathering today. Three things. First of all, to leave a legacy is going to surprise you. We must engage with family. It's our priority, our family. God calls us to that as Christian dads in the Bible. To leave a legacy, I, I must engage, and we want to, right? Oh, are there dist distractions and, and schedules and other demands? Yes. It's, it seems so obvious. Engage with family. Well, of course, Marlo. Really? Come on. But you know this as well as I do. Unless we're intentional in this, it's something that can so easily slip through our fingers, and then the time is gone before we know it. Malachi 4.6, referring to the Old Testament prophet Elijah's ministry, he says, and, and he will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, or sorry, the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And that's God's desire in family. Well, what, what a beautiful expression. And yet, and yet some of you, probably more so with older children, maybe you've lost that reality or that relationship and your heart breaks. I, I, wanna, I want you to take encouragement from this uh, scripture verse in the, the Old Testament book, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. I want you to take encouragement from it. I want you, I want you to embrace this scripture as a, as a faith-filled prayer expression in the days ahead to bring hope to your hurting heart and for, and, and for what the future could be in your relationship with your grown child or children if, if that is the case. Malachi 4.6. Being engaged with family, as you well know, means actually being there. More than just physically present, but truly being there. And on occasion, I've been, I've been called out on this by my loving family. You, you know, it's, it's the, I'm here in body, but, but my mind and my focus are clearly somewhere else. Again, probably all of us have, have done that at times. But that speaks something to those I love the most. I want to catch myself or be caught doing that and, of course, correct in the moment. 
To be truly engaged with family, we need to be fully present. There's another aspect of this particular conversation uh, is that it, that it's possible to engage with our family in ways that are not encouraging or beneficial to them. And this is a challenge of our words. Um, Ken Langley writes about a time when he recognized his discouraging and, and, and deflating words to his son. And again, who of us have not <laughs> had those moments? He says, he writes, uh, he says, my 10-year-old son Justin wanted to help me paint the laundry room. How's that feel, Perry? Um, he said, I brushed, he rolled. Langley says that he became perturbed at his son's efforts to reach higher than dad felt he should. Probably quite natural for a boy, right? Who, who wants to be bigger than he is and who wants to be a bigger helper than he actually may be. Langley's son kept standing on his tiptoes, reaching high, but wobbly, trying to control the roller, heavy with paint, Langley says. Trying to hide his frustration, he said, let daddy do the high areas. I'm afraid you'll drop the roller or that you'll uh, lose your balance and, and fall. Dad said, after telling him several times, my son, once again, stretched ambitiously but precariously with a shaky roller in his fingertips. Justin, I barked. I told you to stop stretching. I'll get that. Okay, Daddy, I won't do that again, was the response from the little boy. In the silence that followed, Langley reflected. Hmm. I wonder how many times was the thought in his mind. I wondered how many times over the years I had given my children the message, stop stretching, don't reach so high. You can't do that. It's too hard for you. Too often, I'm afraid, he thought. He says, and now that I think about it, in those moments, I, I, I kind of hope they weren't listening. Our words, how we engage obviously matters. And, and again, who of us don't need God's strength and grace to engage consistently in a way that honors God and, and uplifts our family members, particularly in those seasons of our life where, we, where stress is a factor for whatever reason, and, and, and that can contribute to how we, I'm not saying it's right, but it can contribute to how we act or, or, or react or speak. I need to pray, as I'm sure all of you do as well. God, Holy Spirit of God, you reside in me. C could, you, could you be seen more than Marlowe in those situations, please? It's a prayer. We need to pray. And out of that, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, Malachi 4.6. Secondly, we grow a legacy and we leave a legacy as we live with character. Character. Well used, often used, overused, I don't know, word. And character is defined as the aggregate, I kind of like that word, I don't know, the, the aggregate of features and traits 
that form the individual nature of a person. Well, the Bible says all of us have a sin nature. So what character do I want to replace that? What type of character, Dad, do you want to be known for? What type of character are we cultivating? Well, as Christ followers, we, we, we need to add the descriptor before the word character, Christ-like, of course. Christ-like character as, as the key descriptor in front of that word character. And this discussion of living with character involves many different aspects of life from re relationships to uh, what, what I do with what someone shares with me about their life in confidence. It has to do with being honest, whether with a 15-minute coffee break or with my taxes. Character is, is owning the dropped ball at work. Character is following through on promises made. Character is honoring your marriage vow, as we talked about last Sunday. And if you missed that, I encourage you to listen online. I, I uh, sent an email to several dads in our church family, and I asked the question, when you think about leaving a legacy for your children, what is one thing that comes to mind immediately? One response was a perfect fit for this discussion about character. This dad in our church family said, I, I want to leave a legacy of God-centered, rock-solid family security in a world where the norm is broken relationships, visitation rights, and single caregiver families. I hope the gift of a secure family footprint provides a stable future for my girls, eliminates any undue stress from a child wondering if daddy's ever coming, uh, going to come home, and sets them up for a godly future in healthy relationships. I want them to be brought up in a family environment where second-guessing their family stability isn't even on their radar. What a phenomenal expression and aim. And I know that's the heart of many of you here this morning. This discussion about character is fully captured by New Testament writer, a guy named Paul. Pastor, missionary, uh, intellectual, but new God in an experiential, powerful way. And he wrote many of the, the letters in the New Testament. And he wrote one called Galatians, as we call it, written to the, 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 the body of Christ, or, uh, which is the church, which is not a denomination or a, a building. It's a, it's a group of people, all who uh, were Christ followers and had chosen to follow Christ and, and, and trust Him with their lives. And so he's writing to these, these, these uh, believers, these Jesus followers, uh, scattered around the, the area called Galatia. It's a region rather than a city. And Paul was, um, again, uh, first, this is in the first century, Christian missionary, and he, he writes these letters in the New Testament uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit's leading. And he defines for us, God through his writing uh, in Galatians 5, defines and describes so well character, as God defines it using the metaphor of fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is the phrase in Galatians 5, and there's nine character qualities that are listed there. And they are all very Christ-like. 
Jesus himself modeled these, and Jesus is the one we're following, and we are his disciple. And so that's, if, if we want uh, God's plumb line for growing our character, that, that's it, Jesus. And Galatians 5 speaks specifically about what that character looks like. And, and, and boy, there's a lifetime of growth in that list. It, at least that's how I feel. It's a good thing we don't have to grow the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ. It's a good thing we don't have to grow that on our own strength. And we don't, dads. We like to, I don't know, we default, don't we, many of us? To just kind of do things on our own. Maybe we don't ask, like asking for help or whatever. It can't be that way in our, in our walk with Christ. We need to call on God and say, God, by your Spirit, I need your help to become Someone who reflects your character and shows your love to everyone that crosses my path each and every day. Thirdly, we grow a legacy and we leave a legacy. As we model a genuine faith in Jesus, and there's overlap with what we were just talking about, of course. Modeling a genuine faith in Jesus doesn't mean we need to come across as perfect. I hope Dad, that you, when you know you blew it, <laughs> that you fail in your family, whatever, that, sh- that you are able to go to your family, to your children, and say, Daddy blew it. I failed. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? All those difficult things that, some, that many times are, are, are hard to say. I, I, I hope we can do that. It's part of modeling a genuine faith. Genuine doesn't mean perfect. Genuine means growing. Backward step, two steps forward, right? Growing faith. And yet we can't pass on to others what we don't possess ourselves. And and to display a genuine relationship with Jesus, our our, our kids need to see us living it it out in in numerous ways. And you could make your own biblical list, like choosing to trust God in life difficulties rather than becoming bitter. What do they see? What do they see in reaction? What do they see in heart posture? What do they see uh, in in, in those difficult, when when your child, your, your teenager, whoever, sees you going through a difficult time? How do they see? What do they see in our response? Is it trust or is it anger at God? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Do your kids see you reaching out to God for wisdom and direction and provision and guidance? Do they hear you express that posture as a prayer after supper together or whenever it is you may do that? Our kids need to see us living it out, our genuine faith, by cherishing our spouse. And again, we touched on this last week. But another scripture verse, Ephesians 5, 25, just says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Giving, not always easy to do. I want my kids, I want my grandkids to see me, even at my age, continue to grow in what it means to defer to my spouse, to give. By marking uh, another way to, to, that our kids uh, to see us um, living out our genuine faith is not marking but making the gathering with the body of Christ a priority. 
Hebrews 10, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That's a, that's a dangerous spiritual trajectory. Living out our faith, our kids see us, hopefully by serving in line with our gifts or, uh, or in areas of need. Each one of you, 1 Peter 4, has received a gift. Minister it to one another. Be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God's grace flows through. I see this every week, I can tell you, that I think about and thank God for and pray for so many of you in the context of this church family who serve either, again, by your specific gifting, which is great, or at times because there's a need and you're wanting, you've got a serving heart. And, I, and, and sometimes I'll fire an email and express appreciation and God, and a God bless you. And I, I, I just, every, it's such a joy. And, and many of you see this as well in your relationships with them. But your, your kids see that. They may not say anything and you're not going to say anything, but the modeling of, I mean, the, the serving day. Or I think of the spring cleanup, sometimes parents that would come with their kids. Just, just rich, power, serving together, modeling. The serving heart of Jesus is so significant for your kids, those of you that are doing that. Maybe for some of you, that's a growth area. Our kids need to see us living out our faith by loving God's word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What a powerful statement, Psalm 119. I'm, I'm very blessed to have a, a, a great role model in my dad in this area. And some of you heard him share this uh, back in January uh, from this stage. Uh, a, a dad who I remember as a, as a young person, as a child and teenager, uh, observing and, 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 and maybe not recognizing the, the impact, the, the significance of it, but I certainly do now. But I, I remember identifying the fact that my dad loved the Word of God and, and wanted to live by the Word of God. My, my dad was 19 years old. He began reading the Bible in a, I think at that point, just a more consistent way. He, he, he's read the Bible through up to May of this year uh, 111 times. That's, that's just that's a phenomenal. That's a lifetime of loving God's Word. And so many of us have years, years to look ahead to that. What a great example to each of us in the Jenkins clan. Thank you, Dad, for that. I asked permission to share with you a conversation I had with Ron and Kathleen Butte, uh, who are part of our church family, a couple of weeks ago after our gathering, and uh, they had just returned from uh, Kathleen's dad's funeral in Saskatchewan. He, he passed away at 94 years of age. He had 99, 99 descendants, 46 great-grandchildren, unreal. And Kathleen pointed out something very cool, that almost everyone, and actually something Quite amazing. She said almost every one of those 99 descendants are following Christ. That is an amazing statement. Kathleen went on to tell me how her dad, every morning at breakfast, uh, would, would open up the Word of God with the family. Placing priority. Placing priority on God's Word. It's a powerful thing. Makes a difference. Very cool to hear stories like that. According to LegacyDads.org, 93% of families will follow their, the father when, when the father takes a, an active role in his walk with Christ. It's an amazing statistic. That doesn't, that doesn't discount the, the, the power of influence of a godly mom. Okay? 
But there's, there's something to that. There's something to that from a, from a biblical standpoint, actually. It, it just speaks to the significance of a father's spiritual influence. And don't wear that as a, oh, heavy. Just begin to love God. Begin to trust Him. Begin to talk to Him more. Begin to ask Him for strength to be the dad that He wants you to be, the Christ follower He wants you to be. We're all on a growth journey that way. And dad, if you're a disciple of Jesus, I'm sure you do have a deep desire to leave a spiritual legacy that will influence the lives and eternities of those you love most. And and that will happen. That will happen as we grow our inner life in relationship with Jesus ourselves. I'm confident that you can identify with what John said regarding his spiritual children. Uh, The writer in the New Testament, 3 John, little, little letter, 3 John 1, 4. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. To hear that, no, not his physical children, spiritual children in this case, but doesn't that apply? If you're a Christ follower and you're a dad, that's just the, that's your heart. You, You want your kids to walk in truth. And in truth means in relationship with the person who is truth. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We want our kids to know that relationship and that experience. Here are legacy expressions from three dads in our church family. Responses from the email I referred to a moment ago that I'd sent out to some dads. I just want to share them with you. One dad said, I, I want to live a legacy for my kids to put God first in everything they do. So good. Someone else, another dad in our church said, I've, I've thought about legacy for years now. I'm thinking more and more that the legacy I leave should point people to Christ. It's not about any character or trait that I reflect, but rather that that characteristic or trait that people see points people to Jesus. I love that. He says, the same dad says, my legacy will hopefully not remind people of me, but remind them and direct them to him. Awesome. Another dad. It's my prayer every day that I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love my neighbor as myself. I've got a a long way to go, but this is my prayer and my goal. That's, That's rich stuff. And if you haven't thought a lot about this, Dad, I I encourage you to to take these statements. You could take them as your own. I don't think they're copyright. If you want me to email those to you, I'm happy to do that. I love that. That last one is just the words of Jesus. Love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. The statement actually right from the mouth of Jesus in response to a question about what is the greatest commandment as I alluded to earlier. That's the core of uh, the the life mission, of our life mission and and individually and, and as a church. The great commandment of Jesus lived out in our lives has significant shaping influence on what the legacy of our lives becomes. And dads, don't always a balance with this, right? Not talking about being prideful, but don't underestimate right now the influence you're having. If you love Jesus and you're you're endeavoring just to walk close with Him, again, it's not about being perfect because none of us are, but don't underestimate the influence you've already had and will continue to have. And, And hopefully all of us, we want that to grow. But thank God for that influence. 
Uh, Seed that or water those seeds with prayer and with further obedience and passion for God from your own life. Don't underestimate the influence of your life. And on that point, I want to conclude with a, a story this morning. The 1995 Hollywood movie, Mr. Holland's Opus, based on a true story. It's about a frustrated composer in Portland, Oregon, who takes a job as a high school teacher, a band teacher, in the 1960s. And although diverted uh, away from his lifelong goal of achieving critical fame as a classical musician, Glenn Holland, played by Richard Dreyfuss, believes that his school job is only temporary. At first, he maintains his determination to write this opus, as it's called, a musical composition. By, by working hard at his piano after putting in a full day with his students in the school. But as, as, as family demands increase, including finding out that his infant son is deaf, and as the pressures of his job multiply, Mr. Holland recognizes that his dream of leaving a lasting musical legacy is, is probably only going to stay a dream. At the end of the movie, we see an aged Mr. Holland fighting in vain to keep his job because the the, the school board decided in order to reduce operating costs that cutting the music program was the way to go. And and no longer longer at this point a, a reluctant band teacher, Mr. Holland believes in what he's done for years now. What began as a career detour becomes or became a 35-year mission, pouring his life into young people. A few days after teaching his final class, Mr. Holland comes back to the school, returns to his room, and is retrieving his belongings, and with sadness fills a box with items that stir up memories of, of, of many meaningful interactions with students over, over the many years. His wife and his son arrive to give him a hand, and as they exit the classroom and begin to walk down the hall, Mr. Holland hears some noise in the auditorium, and he's kind of wondering what's going on because school's already a couple of days earlier had been let out for summer. And so he opens the door. <laughs> he opens the door to that auditorium. And to his amazement, he sees a capacity crowd of former students and fellow teachers. And there's a big banner that reads, Goodbye, Mr. Holland. And they greet him with a standing ovation. And the band begins to play, a band made up of past and and, and, and current members. They're playing songs that they learned under his instruction. Wow. Soon after, the master of ceremonies for that, comes to the podium. It's the governor of Oregon, who also happens to be a former student, who Mr. Holland helped to believe in herself in that f- his first year of teaching. And as she speaks, she does so for the hundreds in the room who fill that auditorium. She says these words. Mr. Holland had profound influence in my life, on a lot of lives I know, and yet I get the feeling that he considers a great part of his life misspent. Rumor had it that he was always working on this symphony of his, and this was going to make him rich and famous, probably both. 
But Mr. Holland isn't rich. And he isn't famous outside of our little town, at least. So it might be easy for him to think himself a failure. (laughs) But he'd be wrong. Because I think he's achieved a success far beyond riches and fame. And then looking at her former teacher, the governor, former student, gestures and says, look around. Look around here. We are your symphony, Mr. Holland. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus. We're the music of your life. Thank you. It's powerful. Let, let, let that settle. May the conductor of the music of your life that you live out be Jesus Christ, residing in you by his Holy Spirit. It's my prayer for my life. It applies to any one of us as Christ followers here this morning. John Maxwell in Thinking for a Change book said this. If you're successful, It becomes possible for you to leave an inheritance for others. But if you desire to create a legacy, then you need to leave something in others. He wisely writes, When you think unselfishly and invest in others, you gain the opportunity to create a legacy that will outlive you. And again, as one of our Eaglemont dads said, the bottom line of that is pointing people to Jesus by our actions, by our words, by our heart, by our reactions, by our passions, pointing people to Jesus. We need to know Jesus if we're going to do that. Maybe there's some in this gathering, whether you're a dad or or not, male or female, whoever you are, old or young, and you haven't come to the place of, of maybe even recognizing your need of God. But I think the testimony of any one of our lives would validate what the Bible says, that we are all separated from God, our Creator, who wants to know us and walk with us and and live eternally in relationship with us. But there's a separation between us and our Creator because of our sin. And yet that can be, that problem of sin can be dealt with, has been dealt with, but we need to receive it as a gift. And that is Jesus' death on the cross paid the penalty of sin, which was death because Sin is so bad in God's uh, eyes as a holy God. Jesus stepped in, died for me and you so we wouldn't have to, so that we could go free, so that we could live free and eternally in a personal relationship with our Creator. And maybe today is your day to say, I want to know God in that way. I, I, don't, want, I don't want religion because religion is pressure. Religion is spelled D-O. I got to do more. I got to be better. I want 
what the New Testament talks about. Genuine relationship with Christ. That's, that's what true Christianity is. And that's spelled D-O-N-E. Everything that needed to be done for you and I to live in personal, eternal relationship with God was done by Christ on the cross. You can receive that gift today. And I pray that you would. And I want to pray for you as I pray for every dad in this room today. In closing, Father, thank you for your grace shown to us in Jesus Christ most of all. And I pray for every person in this room who may, be, who may have never committed their lives, never come to the place of trusting in Jesus as the forgiver of their sin and the leader of their life. I, I, I pray that they would make that choice now, that eternity-shaping decision that causes a party to break out in heaven. May that happen. My friends, you can do that simply expressing to God in your own mind right now, in your own words, God, I need you. I turn from my sin. I want to walk with you. Thank you for dying for me. I want to live for you. Forgive me of my sin. Bring me into your family. I receive your gift of eternal life by faith right now. Speak the heart of that. God sees your heart. And instantly you're brought into his eternal family, my friend. So God, I pray that that would happen right now. Lord, I also pray for every dad in this room. This thing of being a legacy, may we not wear it as a weight. Um, may we just realize that you want to help us be all that you want us to be as Christ followers and in our role as dads. Thank you for the privilege for those of us who are, notwithstanding the challenges, but we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be a dad. We need your strength and your wisdom and your direction as we continue on that journey. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.